The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community. Your host is Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. This hour is designed to inspire, inform, and to help you live better with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo. Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, an internet radio show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. I'm Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. The Wellness Community and Gildas Club have united to become the Cancer Support Community, one of the largest providers of cancer support in the United States and around the world. Our services are offered at more than 100 locations worldwide and online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. RG. Uh, today's show, which is sponsored in part by Azi, uh, Genentech, and Amgen, is all about finding the silver linings in life. I would like to start off today's show by reading a piece from our guest's blog, and I do quote, Despite all of this, yes, I maintain a silver-lined attitude. I look for the positive in every day. Yes, I ponder what it is that I can learn from this experience as a whole and the daily challenges. Why? Because silver linings are so beautiful. Happiness is an attitude. No amount of pain in the world can take that away. Today, we're going to discuss discovering the silver linings that lie within facing a cancer diagnosis, treatment, and life beyond cancer. Sometimes it's tough to look for the positives when handling a difficult situation, but as our guest quotes in her blog, become a possibilitarian. No matter how dark things seem to be or actually are, raise your sight and see possibilities. Always see them for they are always there. Here to talk with us today is Holly Jacobs, breast cancer survivor, author of the Silver Pen blog and the book The Silver Lining, a supportive and insightful guide to breast cancer debuting in March of 2014. Holly, a pediatric and adult palliative care nurse and social worker, brings a very unique perspective to her blog, which intimately details her fight against breast cancer and her life beyond breast cancer, from raising her family to her favorite recipes to her secrets to achieving impeccable style, all while stopping to point out every silver lining in her journey. I want to thank you so much for joining us today, Holly. Oh, thank you, Kim. I'm so happy to be here. Well, let's start off, Holly, by giving our listeners um, some background on you and your your story. Your diagnosis came young, came quite suddenly, and um, you really describe it in your blog and in such a candid and, and, and relatable way. Can you d- tell us what it was like finding out that you had breast cancer? Um, let's, let's sort of go back to that moment, and then let, let's bring us forward to really what prompted you to start to blog about your experience. Absolutely. I'd be happy to. Um, so I, I was awakened in the middle of the night with literally stabbing pains to my right breast. And this particular night, I thought, that's kind of weird, but probably nothing. 
And three more times that week, the exact same thing happened. Now, as a nurse, I assured myself that breast cancer doesn't typically hurt and that the pain in my breast was probably simply from uh, the dense tissue resulting from drinking too much caffeine. Mm. But I decided to have it checked out just to be sure. Now, my gynecologist uh, assured me that also it was probably nothing and referred me to a mammogram and handheld ultrasound also just to be sure. Now, I was 39 years old and I hadn't yet had my first mammogram, had been planning to do so right about the time I turned 40. So during my mammogram and ultrasound appointments, I knew that there was an issue when I was told that the radiologist wanted to see me before leaving. Mm. He told me, um, when, I, well, when I walked into his office, I literally saw on four computer screens images of my breasts, which was something that I never imagined in my lifetime I'd see. Mm. And he said to me, he said, so I understand you're a nurse, right? Mm. And I said, yes. And then he said, well, that means that I can talk with you more frankly than I would with someone else. And at this point, nervously, I said, okay. And he <laughs> proceeded to tell me that he wanted to do a biopsy that afternoon for what he highly suspected to be breast cancer in both breasts. And two days later, uh, when I heard the, the words, you have breast cancer, I think that this was probably informed by my clinical experience. Yeah. My first thought, literally my first thought was, this could be so much worse. This form of cancer is treatable. Now, it's not to say that I wasn't completely knocked off my rocker. I mean, yeah. I was a healthy, happy, vegan eating marathon-running, 39-year-old young mother with absolutely no family history of the disease. And in that instant, my world literally stopped. And so what you, you were kind of through this process or the early stages of this process, you were sort of convinced that you didn't have breast cancer. You weren't really, sounds like you weren't really alarmed, you weren't really nervous, but then as, as the process kind of unfolded, your anxiety started to rise based on the questions, based on the tests. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and, and it wasn't. Um, it wasn't even denial. I had my, you know, my gynecologist and my internist saying this. This couldn't possibly be. So mm. I had no reason to have any any sort of anxiety around that. I thought, well, there's something going on, but we've just got to figure out what it was. And it, it, it's interesting how. I moved from the role of a clinician, right, on the side of the bed in, into the hospital bed. So when I sat across the desk from this surgeon who did the, the biopsy and who said to me, you have breast cancer, yeah. uh, you know, I, I literally thought, well, this is, this is not something that can be taught in medical edu education, right? This is not, yeah. um, you know, something that, that you can do in a classroom. I mean, being, moving from the side of the bed into the, into the bed is a, is a completely different experience. Yeah. So talk about that for a minute, Holly, because I mean, again, just to remind our, our listeners, you are a nurse, you are a social worker, you've got a lot of clinical training, you've worked in hospice, you've worked in hospitals, a lot of different settings. I mean, it, does all that just get stripped away when you're diagnosed? Are you just patient at that point? Or what's the influence of that training in, in, in your experience, through your experience? Well, ironically, it was sort of my compensatory mechanism. Um, you know, so I, when you hear the words, you have cancer, your, your world literally stops. And so the first thing I did was 
put on my kind of nurse's hat, my clinical hat, and say to myself, okay, if I were talking with a patient, what would I say to that person? Or more personally, what would I say to a friend who was newly diagnosed? And there are, there are four things that I would, um, would say, and these things helped me and also now help my, uh, my patients. And the first is breathe. Now, this sounds easy, I know, but after you hear the words, you have cancer, breathing actually takes a whole lot of work. And the second thing is, though the diagnosis feels like an emergency, the majority of time it's not. You have the time to understand the meaning and process the emotions of your diagnosis. The third thing is to learn everything you can about your diagnosis and then become actively involved in both the development and the revision of your plan of care. All of this is about a partnership. And then the fourth thing is build your team of caregivers, both personal in the form of family and friends yeah. and professional. Because what I learned for sure is that it takes a village to go through cancer. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's how I set out down this, uh, this road of my own cancer experience was, was literally informing my personal situation through the lens of my professional clinical one. So, Holly, let me ask you this. One of the things you say is that, you know, learn everything you can about your, uh, about your cancer. I know that uh, the, uh, the Internet <laughs> can be oh. a very overwhelming resource, and I think when folks are diagnosed, they have the tendency to, to kind of turn to the Internet. I think if you probably punched uh, breast cancer into Google, you'd probably get millions and millions of, 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 of returns back. How do folks narrow that? How, how do they go about beyond just sort of using the Internet about finding everything out that they can about their diagnosis? Right. That's a, a great question, and I, I refer to, to that as Dr. Google. And Dr. Google uh, can take you down roads very quickly um, that are inaccurate and really sort of terrifying because you inevitably, people will inevitably find the one person who had X, Y, and Z, you know, happen. And so what I recommend is to begin with asking your healthcare professionals for the resources that they would recommend for learning about a particular diagnosis. That Mm -hmm. is an excellent place to start. Um, And then once you start there, that's, you can, you can go in a number of different directions. Of course, the cancer support community is a wonderful resource for people both to learn about uh, a diagnosis and then to be able to put together that team of caregivers to help you through the process. Uh, but I think, you know, starting, starting really where you are, which is with you know, the doctor who makes the diagnosis and say, okay, I need to learn more. Where do you recommend that I go? So you're going to start down this path of um, trusted resources rather than the sort of ambiguous or inaccurate ones. Yeah, and I think that's right, and certainly folks know anything they find on our website and our educational materials certainly will have been vetted, uh, you know, as a, as a quality resource. Um, Holly, we've got a couple minutes until the break, but tell me, how old was your daughter when you were, uh, when you were diagnosed with cancer? And, and I know you felt it was important uh, to tell her. Take a couple minutes to tell us about that. Absolutely. So my daughter was four and three quarters because every quarter counts <laughs> at the time, and as a pediatric 
nurse with a master's in child development, I know both professionally and now personally that children not only deserve to know, but also need to know what is happening in a family. Silence is not golden in this case. Honesty is the best and only way to establish and maintain a bond of trust. I believe that discussing illness candidly and openly in developmentally appropriate ways will teach children that parents and adults are trustworthy and that honesty is a family priority. You know, when children are young, we can deny that they have the wherewithal or ability to understand, but that's not the case at all. Um, You know, many adults find themselves hiding the truth from children because they believe that children don't know what's happening or that something is too hard for them to handle. And this couldn't be further from the truth. Children as young as about a year and a half know when things are haywire in a house, whether it's divorce or illness, they still know. And the important thing uh, for, for adults to know is that a child's imagination has the capacity to create things far worse than reality. No yeah. matter what they're told or not told, they can come up with something that is so much more awful. And yeah. I know it sounds really hard to believe, but I've seen it happen time and time again. Yeah. And so including children in the disease diagnosis and treatment, using that developmentally appropriate language, though it's right. emotionally burdensome, you can't deny that, right. but it's ultimately the greatest gift that adults can give children. Right, and I think, you know, we we can talk a little more after the break, but I also, you know, we want to let folks know there are a lot of great tools and resources out there for uh, for that age-appropriate conversation and really understanding uh, how to have that. Uh, this is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We're talking today with Holly Jacobs, uh, and we're talking about the silver linings in life. Uh, we are going to take a quick break here. Don't go away. We're going to be right back. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio or search for the keywords World Talk Radio. Once you're a part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the World Talk Radio network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio or search for World Talk Radio. Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Magnolia Meals at Home, a new pilot program that aims to help patients by providing nourishing meals to households affected by breast cancer so loved ones can spend more quality time together. This program is currently available in and around two pilot cities, Andover, Massachusetts and Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey. Participants will receive one delivery of meals every month for up to six months when enrolled in the program. Each delivery includes up to seven meals designed to help meet the nutritional needs of people living with breast cancer and 10 meals for family members. This novel program is brought to you by the Azi Women's Oncology Program, Magnolia. Cancer Care, the Cancer Support Community, and Meals on Wheels Association of America. To find out if you or loved ones are eligible, visit online at www.magnoliamealsathome.com or call 
800-500-5848. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, sponsored in part today by Celgene, Lilly Oncology, and Onyx. I'm Kim Tebow, though. Today we're joined by nurse, social worker, and blogger Holly Jacobs, and we're discussing the importance of finding the silver linings in cancer as well as in life. I just want to circle quickly back to the conversation, Holly, we were having before the break about how important it is to tell uh, kids about illness, and, and, and I know that we at Cancer Support Community have a great program called Kids Support. There are lots of other resources out there for you to get the guidance in, in terms of having an age-appropriate conversation and, and to emphasize, as you were saying, you know, kids are, A, intuitive, they know what's going on, and, B, they do have the ability to make stuff up. And so, you know, the kids think maybe they caused the cancer by being, you know, angry or upset, or maybe the cancer's contagious and they don't want to get near the parents. So I think, Holly, you'd agree that... That we, we've really got to make sure we're talking to kids so that we can bust these myths for them. Absolutely. And it was interesting because when we sat down uh, to talk with our daughter, who at the time was four and three quarters, I was a nervous wreck. And despite the fact that I have talked with so many children over the years about a diagnosis, about a treatment, about end-of-life issues, I still felt so nervous talking with my daughter and, and, you know, moving from the side of the bed as a clinician into the bed and contending with all of those very real emotions is a different experience. So I really get how hard it is, and it is emotionally burdensome, but that doesn't take away from the fact that it that it needs to be done. And I think that, you know, I was I was more prepared because I have a master's in child development and I have done this over the years with so many children. So I knew how to do it and I also knew the language that my daughter would understand in that sort of three to five age range. And it's so important I think for people to realize that just as there are resources 
online, utilizing the team of healthcare professionals in a cancer center, for example, is really yeah. important. So you could ask, you know, a nurse practitioner or a social worker or a psychologist to be either to help you prepare for a conversation yes. or to even be a part of the conversation. And I think what that, what that does is that enables you not only to feel confident that you are giving the right information at the right time in the right doses, but it also really beautifully models for children the inherent need to incorporate other people into the plan of care, right? So having the support to go through this makes it so much more doable and feasible. So let's talk for just a minute, Holly, about, I mean, obviously, again, you've got this nursing background, this social work background, child development background, but let's talk for a minute, and I know that the care and the resources are going to vary from hospital to hospital, community to community, but let's talk about some of the folks who may be available uh, when you're diagnosed with cancer, it may be available to be on that team. Let's start with the, you know, maybe the professional uh, team. Obviously, you're, you know, you're going to have your oncologist, you're going to have your nurse, but, you know, when you talk about things like communication and, and, and maybe your distress and anxiety over your diagnosis, talking to your kids, your concerns about maybe being in pain, about managing your symptoms, you know, maybe just, just help us from a professional standpoint, think about who are some of the folks that, that you could pull into your team who might help you through this continuum. That's a great question because, as I said earlier in the segment, that it's important at the time of your diagnosis to build your team of people, to assemble this group of people who is going to help not only you, but also your family through this entire process. So uh, the first person I hired was my oncologist, and the second person I hired was a palliative care physician. And it was interesting because as I was interviewing, and, and, and patients can interview physicians who are going to be caring for them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really important thing for patients to do, to become empowered and to interview and ask the right questions. Anyway, I inter- interviewed a couple of oncologists who literally looked at me like I had three heads when I said that I wanted palliative care to be a part of my team. And one of them said, whoa, 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 you don't need palliative care. You're not dying. Well, I know I wasn't dying, but the reason that I wanted palliative care as part of my team is because palliative care is literally the branch of medicine that specializes, focuses on pain and symptom management. So I'm looking at this this treatment that I'm going to have, a double mastectomy and reconstruction, six rounds of chemotherapy, and five weeks of radiation. I'm kind of thinking that there were going to be, the, there was a potential for pain and symptom issues. And sure enough, I had just a, a really, really difficult response to treatment all along the way. And palliative care was very much a part of my uh, treatment from the, literally from the time of, of my, my surgery. And so palliative care is a, is a really important component. And a lot of patients need to know that they need to ask for it. Now, it's not necessarily something that is generally offered, but to ask for it, I think, is a really informed um, thing to do in building your team. But there are also a, a social worker. Social workers help with the 
the psychosocial issues that come and that can come from uh, cancer, cancer diagnosis and treatment. You know, when your world is stopped and shifted in, in such a huge way, in such an unexpected way, there are feelings that really need to be dealt with. That we're not born equipped with the tools to handle, for example, the, uh, the, iso- the trip to isolation island that so many patients go to where you just feel this sense of aloneness in the world or um, uh, being able to help also communicate with children. Psychologists are often part of oncology teams and also help with the psychosocial issues. Many, as, a, as a social worker, I spent so much time helping patients contend with the insurance issues that uh, can come with, you know, treatment and the exorbitant fees and bills. And so having, as a social worker, having me help wade through the paperwork also provided a great sense of, of relief. There are also child development specialists who are part of many either cancer centers or hospital programs who can also help communicate with children. I think it's it's, uh, it's great advice, and I think sometimes folks just don't even realize the team that's available to them through the cancer center. So it's important to ask and and really start to know and understand, you know, what to uh, what to ask for. Um, I want to get to this theme, Holly. This this uh, this mantra uh, around silver linings and that sort of theme um, in your life. And um, I'd like for you to talk about that and what that means. In in, in having read some of your you know uh, blog and having had a sneak preview at your book, um, I, it seems to me that it's not about suddenly having to find a positive attitude, um, um, but it's about finding those small things that kind of shine for you through your journey, that kind of shine in those moments. But let me ask you, what, what, does, that mean to, what does that mean to you, this idea of silver linings and finding those through your journey and, frankly, in life? Absolutely. Um, I'm so happy to talk, talk about that. Uh, you know, I realized literally from the, the time of my diagnosis that I had two choices about how I was going to handle my situation from a place of fear or a place of hopefulness. And I chose, and it was indeed a very active choice for me, mm-hmm. hopefulness or optimism in the form of silver linings. Now, when I talk about or think about silver linings, it's not in that you know, Pollyanna-ish sort of way where, oh, if you look for the silver linings, everything will be fine, because (laughs) that's not the case at all. Because unfortunately, the truth of the matter is that silver linings don't take away things like nausea, pain, or vomiting, you know, that can come with a cancer with treatment. But what they do do is they provide balance and perspective. It was literally silver linings that got Mm. me through each and every stage of this long experience. I remember one day in particular when I was literally so sick that I couldn't get the six feet from my bathroom to my bed. So I laid down on my bathroom floor. And as I was laying there, I quite truthfully, rather cynically, asked, okay, Miss Silver Lining, where's the silver lining now? Because you're laying on your bathroom floor and you can't get the six feet to your bed that's right over there. Well, I no sooner had that thought than my 87-pound black Labrador named Buzz came waddling through the door. 
and he curled up in as small a ball as he could and laid right down next to me. And then two minutes later, my husband came in, and instead of trying to drag me to the bed, he literally sat down on the floor, and he put my bald head in his lap and rubbed it. So the silver lining in this situation was not that I could miraculously find the strength to to get to my bed, but rather that they provided me with the support and love that I so desperately needed in that moment when I couldn't move from my bathroom to my bedroom. And that's the way silver linings are. Literally, silver linings are always present. All we have to do is look for them. And you have to put yourself in a place or in a mindset where you can look for them? Well, I mean, you know, in the story I just told, I, I was, I was, I cynically said, all right, where's the silver lining? Where is it now? Yeah. You, can, you know, where is it? Yeah. And one appeared. And so, uh, you know. So it's almost I, like a meditation. A little bit, a little bit, yeah. And, and so now, you know, days in my life today, you know, if I'm having a rough day, I'll say, okay, where's the silver lining? I know there's one here. It's got to be, it's got to be somewhere. And it's not, it's not in the, the, big way. Sometimes it's the big way. You know, it's a a great silver lining that I was able to, you know, endure the longest and most painful year of my life, of course. But when I think about silver linings, I think about the little, the little things. So there was, um, I would sit on my couch in my family room. And on days when I was too sick to stand, I would literally, there was this hummingbird that would come in the most random moments. And I would watch this hummingbird. Right. I'd never mm-hmm. watched a hummingbird, but that was a silver yeah. lining. Or being it, able to enjoy a warm cup of tea. Yes. Or being be, able yeah, And it, just it was, be in, being in the moment, being exactly. more, being more present. Things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is, frankly, speaking about cancer, we're talking about finding the silver linings in life through the cancer journey. We're talking with uh, nurse and social worker and breast cancer survivor Holly Jacobs. We're going to take a quick break here, and we will be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. People living with breast cancer often find it difficult to ask for help. And many of the people in their lives want to help, but don't know how. During National Breast Cancer Awareness Month, Cancer Support Community is proud to support Meal Trains sponsored by Magnolia, which utilizes Mealtrain.com, a free shared online calendar to streamline the process of giving and receiving meals for families coping with breast cancer. Help us reach our goal of 1,000 new breast cancer-specific meal trains this October. To learn more, visit Mealtrain.com MMT and enter the code MAGNOLIA B 
or visit us at cancersupportcommunity.org. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, sponsored in part today by AstraZeneca, Millennium, and Purdue Pharma. I'm Kim Tibaldo. Today we're talking about finding the silver linings in life with Holly Jacobs. Uh, Holly, we've talked about your story, how you've used it to help uh, others find the silver linings, uh, it really in their own lives. Um, now I want to talk about uh, I, I want to talk about your uh, your amazing blog, and I really want to encourage folks to um, uh, to visit the blog. You you really went from finding the silver linings um, in your cancer diagnosis to translating that to finding the silver linings that exist in in uh, everyday life. So what made you? What inspired you to take this experience and turn it into a blog and tell us about that process and that exercise for you. Well, shortly after I was diagnosed, I felt really overwhelmed about how I was going to communicate with all of the wonderful friends and family in my life. And I didn't have the capacity to talk on the phone. Talking on the phone, quite honestly, made me dizzy and nauseous, and I didn't need any more of that. And I yeah. thought, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to write. And I knew, from my uh, clinical experience, I knew people who had, who had written blogs, and so I thought, well, maybe a blog would be a good thing to do, because it's something that I can do on my own time, from my bed, you know, whenever I was able to write. And from the get-go, I decided that I didn't want to either write about or read about cancer every day. I thought, because I'm going to go through this experience, I want to live with it, and I didn't want to be defined by it. So I decided to write about all kinds of things that I enjoy in life, from travel to reading to cooking to child development issues to my clinical cancer experiences. And so I started writing The Silver Pen as literally a way to keep my family and friends apprised of what was happening to me. But what happened was in a very short period of time, the blog went viral. And I had people literally from all over the world writing to me saying that that I was giving them words for the breast cancer experience for which they didn't have words. So it became this personal experience that turned into a source of information and, so I'm told, inspiration that describes the breast cancer experience. And so I, I write about everything. And, and on the really, really awful, rotten days, I would write in a very, as you said earlier, Kim, a very unedited way. I didn't hold back, and I didn't, I didn't um, put any kind of rose-colored glasses on when I talked about my experiences. But I did and continue to write in a realistic way, but with balance and perspective. So I'm on the bathroom floor one minute, but I have my dog and my husband the next minute supporting me. So tell me about, so you talk, you, you, you talk about these other themes that you cover and that you touch on in your blog. I know, Holly, you're very active 
person and have an active active lifestyle. I know you're interested in cooking and and uh, experimenting with different recipes. I know you're interested in fashion. Uh, you know, give us a couple highlights of what folks can expect. You know, when they when they go to the blog and 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 what they'll see, and maybe also just talk for a minute also about the the beautiful photography that's uh, that's involved. Oh, thank you. So the photography is actually it's a, a combination of uh, my photographs, which I started taking photographs when I was sick as something as a, a bit of a creative outlet, combined with the photographs of my dear friend Elizabeth Messina, who also happens to be the co-author of our book that you mentioned, The Silver Lining, A Supportive and Insightful Guide to Breast Cancer. She started documenting me, documenting my experience with breast cancer as a way, she said to me, uh, you know, I'm a photographer and I'm your girlfriend, and I don't know what the heck else to do for you. And she said, mm-hmm. I want to give you the gift of memory should you ever want it because our brains protect us from these really painful experiences. And so we never set out to write this book together, but... After we looked at some of these images, including one of me post-mastectomy, in which I realized that there was such a discrepancy between what I saw reflecting in the mirror and with the reality of what my um, uh, post-mastectomy look was. I saw cancer mutilation, scarring, and what Elizabeth showed to me was actually there is some beauty there and there is still some femininity. And so there was this big discrepancy and I thought, gosh, I I wish I had seen that prior to going in for my surgery. And so, and then she came to chemotherapy with me one day and as a as a clinician, I knew what chemo looked like, the, the room looked like, and IV. I, you know, I even changed my own IV fluid bags when I needed to be on uh, IV fluids around the clock. But Elizabeth's images really demonstrated a way to demystify the experience and present it in a, an accessible, informed way that also supports a person prior to going into it. You know, the reality is you're, you're still going to chemo, but the silver yeah. lining is this is a way to demystify it. So that's what, what we've tried to do and what I continue to do on the blog and also in the book that we wrote, is to uh, provide both voice and vision for an experience because it is this multi-sensory situation. And so to be able to inform using words as well as imagery, I think, presents the the cancer experience in in a different way. So, Holly, you were obviously, and you talk about this in your blog, a pretty active person before your cancer diagnosis and pretty healthy. We know for a lot of people, sometimes when they're diagnosed with cancer, it becomes a, an opportunity for them to think about maybe lifestyle change, maybe think about healthier choices, maybe thinking about smoking cessation. How, how do you feel like having cancer sort of impacted some of your lifestyle choices and how, how you sort of think about some of those choices as it relates to exercise, as it relates to eating? Tell us a little about that. Well, I think now I'm I'm very I, I the tr- the truth is I I still eat the same way. I'm still I'm about 90% vegan. I have fish a couple times a week, but other than that, I really I am um uh, vegan and and actually there there's really great food when you're when you're vegan and also gluten-free. I'm I'm much more conscious about not eating um and exposing myself to inflammatory types of foods like 
sugar and alcohol and uh, gluten, those types of things. Now, I'll have an occasional treat because I'm not going to live in this life that's so um, uh, rigorously, you know, defined by parameters, but yeah. I'm much more conscious about, okay, I'm going to have a glass of wine tonight because that sounds really good. And, yeah. Or, you know, every once in a while I'll, I'll have a sweet. And so I'm, I'm much more thoughtful about that. And then exercise for me has also, has always been a really great release. Um, but now I've added weight training, for example, into my exercise um, program because I have the beginning. A lot of times treatment can contribute to the beginnings of osteoporosis, which it has done for me. And so, you know, it's, I'm going to do everything I can possibly do to prevent that from progressing anymore. So I'm doing weight training and I'm working out, you know, five times a week. And some of that too is not, you know, an hour and a half at the gym. It's 30 minutes here and there. Or sometimes if I'm sitting at my desk, for example, for a long period, if I know I'm going to be at my desk for the whole day, I'll get up, you know, every hour and do 25 jumping jacks or 25 push-ups, those types of things. I'm, I'm yeah. just, I'm much more consciously aware of the need to really create a very healthy environment as much as I possibly can. Yeah, yeah, and just the need to move, the need to breathe, the need to step away, all of those things I think are so uh, important. One, Holly, Holly got I, it. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, please. One, one thing that I have done um, is I've added yoga to my uh, – to my. It, it, many people refer to it as exercise, but for me it's become this meditative state, and I am crazy about yoga. I had no – I would never have done yoga prior to getting sick, and now I love it. Nice, nice. Well, we do yoga at all of our centers across the country, and folks really do, really do love it and have responded so well to it. We've been doing it for, uh, for years. Um, Holly, I've only got about a minute until our break here, but um, you said you've gotten some very positive uh, feedback from your blog, a lot of folks following you. Um, what, what does that feel like, and what, what, what do you feel like you've sort of contributed to these folks from your experience? What's that connection? Well, as, as I mentioned, people, people would tell me that I have given them words for an experience for which they don't have words. And on the opposite side of that same coin, I've had people say, I now, people close to them, loved ones say, I now have some semblance of an understanding of what my loved one is, is going through. And I think that it's sort of, I, I could never have imagined as I got a nursing degree and a child development degree in social work and bioethics that I would kind of be in this position that I'm in now to be able to help support and guide and inform people as they are going through the cancer experience. And I think that that's, that's what I try to do each and every day as I'm, whether I'm speaking or I'm writing or through the book is to be able to provide a very realistic and yet hopeful perspective of the cancer experience and to teach people to look for and then find silver linings in their lives. And and to me, there's just no greater honor um, or, or gift that, that I could imagine than, than having the opportunity yeah. to help people as they're going through this. Wonderful. It's wonderful. I, I appreciate that sharing and that perspective, Holly. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We're talking about finding the silver linings in life with Holly Jacobs. We're going to take a quick break here, and we will be right back.
Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the health care process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Our show is sponsored in part today by McKesson's Giving Comfort Program, Bristol-Myers Squibb and Morphotech. I'm Kim Tebaldo. We're wrapping up today's show about silver linings with Holly uh, Jacobs. Holly, I know we've talked about your um, wonderful blog, and it, it seems that that has led you to this um, inspiration to um, to write a book and put all of those things together um, under one cover. Uh, the book's called The Silver Lining, A Supportive and Insightful Guide to Breast Cancer. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the book, Holly, what folks can um, expect and when uh, folks can look forward to getting their hands on a copy? Absolutely. So this book is part the, uh, part memoir and part practical matters, because when you have cancer, the practical does indeed ma- matter. And so each chapter is divided in that way. So it's, it's my story with lifelines, you know, 
interspersed throughout the memoir component to say, oh, here's, you know, oh, I recommend this or don't do this or here's what I learned. And then the second half of each chapter is, as I said, the practical matter. So it's everything from questions to ask your doctors as you're interviewing and, and assembling your team, what to pack for chemotherapy, how to handle things like needle phobia or insomnia, what to take to surgery, what to pack for surgery, how to find silver linings, how to talk to children. And it's, it's, so it's part my personal experience and part uh, guidebook to help people through it. And, and I wrote it literally for everyone whose life is touched by cancer. There's a, a section in the book for friends and families and how to how to be present and how to help support your loved one as he or she is going through it and i this is truly the book that i wish that i had when i was going through the experience i was looking for a lifeline a, a point of reference that was a source of encouragement that is simultaneously honest and informative practical and supportive and realistic and uplifting. And no such book existed until now. And so I'm so honored and thrilled to be able to share this with the world with the highest of hopes that it will help people get through this in a way that they will be able to hopefully come through it um, in, a, in a positive way. So, Holly, when is uh, when is the book coming out? Let me ask you that. And um, I know you're going to be sort of touring around the country and talking to folks and sharing your story and and your your inspiration. Should folks keep uh, keep an eye on the SilverPen.com blog to find out some of those details? Are there other ways that um, that we can inform folks of when and where they can get the book and possibly uh, come out and see you and meet you on your tour? Absolutely. Oh, I would love that. That would be so great. So the the book is actually actually available for pre-order now on uh, online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or IndieBound. And then it will be, if you will pre-order it now, it will be delivered um, on March 18th, which is the official publication date. And I will absolutely be touring and speaking and um, doing book signings around the country. And I would be so thrilled to be able to uh, meet people along the way. It's funny because when I'm, when I'm writing from my computer, computer at my desk at home. It's, you know, you, you don't necessarily know all the people, you know, who are, who are reading. And, and uh, so to be able to have the opportunity to meet so many of these people is, is going to be really wonderful. And absolutely, I'm going to be including all of my speaking engagements and touring on thesilverpen.com and keeping people apprised of, of what's, what, where I'm going and what I'm doing. Fantastic. And what... Um... What is next for you, Holly? Are you going to continue writing? Are you going to continue with the blog? Other plans? I, you know what? I'm. I write every day, Monday through Friday, and I'm now traveling uh, around the country and doing a lot of speaking, which is which is just great fun. I'm really enjoying it. And then, um, you know, my ultimate goal is to to get this book into the hands of the women and men and their families who are touched by breast cancer, um, because I want to be able to support them as they're going through this experience. And so. That's that's kind of that's my agenda for the next uh, six or eight months. I think it's it's going to keep me rather busy. 
It sounds like it. It sounds like it. Um, Holly, as we wind down um, today, you obviously come at this uh, this cancer thing from so many different perspectives, from patient, uh, uh, nurse, uh, social worker, an expert in children's issues, an expert in palliative care. You bring so much um, so much to the table. But if there's someone listening today, they've just been. Um, Diagnosed with cancer, or maybe a loved one in their in their life has just been diagnosed with cancer. What uh, what advice do you have for them? I, the the very first thing is to breathe. Just keep breathing, and the second thing is to know that you are not alone. You are not alone. It feels so incredibly isolating when you hear the words, you have cancer, but knowing that you are not alone and will not be alone as you go through this process, I think will help people so very much. And organizations like the Cancer Support Community are absolutely invaluable to these, to these people to really help through this entire process, no matter what comes. And what about the uh, what about for the families and the caregivers? I've I've, I've had a chance to meet your uh, your your terrific husband and know that he has been uh, been a great support to you. And I know that this can be an overwhelming uh, overwhelming process for the loved ones and caregivers. What advice do you have for them? I think um, that it's it's important for them to seek support as well. Cancer doesn't happen in isolation. It doesn't happen to it, it, cancer happens not only to the patient but also to family, friends, and the community. And people need to identify their roles in a diagnosis. And so encouraging family members and even friends to get support in helping the person who is diagnosed through the process makes a big difference, but also support for themselves. So much of the time, my husband, I mean, he felt helpless and, you know, so incredibly sad and and as if this uncontrollable situation was just spinning, you know, in a way that he could not fix. And so encouraging family and even friends to get uh, professional support, I think, is so incredibly helpful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, we couldn't agree with you more. I, uh, you know, all of our programs at Cancer Support Community are not only for the patient, but also for the for the family members, caregivers, loved ones, you know, others who are supporting uh, the patients and survivors through, uh, you know, through their journeys. And we certainly do agree with you that cancer doesn't just affect the individual, but it affects everyone uh, around them and has a real ripple, uh, a real ripple effect. And so we've always uh, believed in, in making our programs and services available to all those who are impacted by the disease and surrounding uh, and surrounding the patient. Um, Holly, I want to thank you so much for um, coming on to the show today, telling us more about your your journey uh, with breast cancer, your outlook, and, and uh, all, all that you've done to help others. It's, it's really very um, encouraging. I want to uh, remind our readers that Holly's blog is at uh, thesilverpen.com, and you can read her story and uh, her thoughts, reflections, meditations uh, on that blog. And um, don't forget to uh, pick up a copy of Holly's book, The Silver Lining, A Supportive and Insightful Guide to Breast Cancer. Um, it will be debuting 
starting March 18, 2014. But as Holly said, you can pre-order a copy of it now. I have to say I've had the privilege of having a, uh, a sneak peek at it, and it is just an extraordinary and beautiful and inspirational book, and I would encourage you uh, to take a look at it. We're oh, certainly um, hoping that Holly's going to come out to some of our cancer support communities and, and uh, with the book to talk about her story and, and share with others. Um, uh, and so we're, we're uh, working on some of those plans for, uh, for 2014. Um, if you are diagnosed with cancer and there's a way that we can help you and support you, we are at cancersupportcommunity.org. We have 57 centers around the country where we provide support groups, educational programs, nutrition, exercise, stress reduction for people with all cancers at all stage of illness, cancersupportcommunity.org. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Thanks for listening today. Until next time, be well, do well, live well. Thank you for joining us for Frankly Speaking About Cancer with your host, Kim Tibaldo. We're here for you every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. In the meantime, stay connected online at cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.